The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. What's up, everybody? This is Dex with the I Am Pitch Podcast, and I'm back after surviving the second round of COVID. I think I told you on the last episode that, yeah, this this round of COVID wasn't as bad as the first round. Absolutely. But having the facial numbness and losing my vision and no having blurry vision, it is not fun, but I can survive in this life with blurry vision as opposed to the first time where I really thought I was going to die. So and it is good to be feeling better and it is good to be back. You know, that 10 day hiatus in my basement and sleeping on the couch sounds great, but it was not fun and I'm absolutely glad it is over. And I'm glad that my wife has, has allowed me to be back in to sleep in my bed. My God, did I miss my bed? And not only did I miss my bed, I missed you all, and I missed doing the show. You know, I had planned on doing another one while I was out sick, but, you know, it was so weird with the COVID. It would come in waves. One day I would be feeling decent. I would have some issues. Then the next day I would be absolute trash. And then one day I thought I was over it and done. I got up and started walking, got lightheaded, and almost fell over. So, like I said, I'm very happy to be back to the point where I can at least do a show, man, because I at least owe you all that. You all know how I am. I Consistency is everything, and I love to be consistent with putting this show out. I want to do at least one, at least one a week. I would love to do two to three, but I'm living life over here, and I can't. And I was really wanting to get y'all an episode the other day, and I'm so sorry I did not. I did not feel well. And then when all that happened, I actually started going back to work. So I'm back on this crazy 12-hour shifts we do. So fell a little behind and I missed a whole, whole, whole lot of stuff going on in the country. And not even just the country, man. I mean, here locally and with me personally, you know, with the book now out, man, the book is going strong. The sales are looking good. And I am also planning my first book release event. And that is going to be on February 20th here in Louisville, Kentucky at 816 East Broadway at the Louisville launch and the event is going to start at 6 p.m. and it's going to end at 8 and a ticket to the event costs $25 and with the purchase of a ticket and you get to come to the event you get a catered meal you also get a free autographed personally signed copy of my book I am Pitts and you also get to sit and watch me do a live interview and then after the interview, there will be a Q&A session where people will be able to ask me questions about the book, my life or whatever, whatever insane off the top thing they want to talk about with, with me. So that's that. Like I said, it's a very, very limited event due to the resurgence of the rise of Omicron. The event space is letting us they're They're making us keep it at a minimal. So I believe there's only going to be 30 tickets available. And so I believe that there are only 20 tickets left. So if you would like to purchase a ticket and come to the event, go to eventbrite.com and type in 
the official I Am Pitts book release, and you can purchase your tickets there. And this is a business casual event. I know what you're thinking. Business casual, really? Trust me, man. All this stuff going on is like going over my head, and I don't know. It's, it, a lot of this stuff just don't seem like me, but at the same time, you know, my wife is running it, and hey, she is the head design and decor decorator and all that, and I'm just going along for the ride, man. At this point, you know, I really, I'm just happy to be doing it. <laughs> uh, it's what it's, it's my book, but it's her show. And I'm absolutely okay with that because I don't want to have to deal with none of this other stuff and setting up caterers and event planning and all that, man. I'm a grunt. That's all I am. Well, I'm more than a grunt, but you know, that's, but at, at my heart, that's what I am. And I'm okay with that, man. I'm not a guy that wears suits. You know, if I wish I could make it an all sweatsuit event, everybody put on your favorite pajamas and come out, but she ain't gonna let me rock it like that, man. <laughs> but outside of that, like I said, there's been a lot going on internationally, but also locally. You know, here locally, and when I say locally, I mean about 45 minutes south of Louisville, my hometown, Hardin County, Fort Knox. See, if you read my book, I Am Pitts, you would know that. So maybe you should read my book. I think it'd be a good idea for you and I think you would really enjoy it. But I'm getting off track. But so 45 minutes south of here is Fort Knox. Like I said, my hometown, that's my stomping grounds, man. And in my book, I talk about how Fort Knox after 9-11, what it was like and just how the atmosphere changed. Well, we had an incident here in Fort Knox the other day. And I was absolutely mind blown when I heard about it. But apparently some guy came to the main gate, the Chaffee Gate. If you have ever heard of heard of or seen the Gold Vault, it's in all the movies and all that and all the lore about the Fort Knox Gold Vault where they keep all the nation's gold. Highly doubt that's what's in there because we broke. Let's be honest. But, you know, some guy comes up to the gate and blows through the gate and leads the police on a chase inside the base. And I guess they had a standoff with this guy for about, I think, 90 minutes. And all of a sudden, the guy hits the gas, tries to ram the police cars, and they light him up, and they kill him on sight after that. So, you know, it was so weird hearing that that happened, man, because Fort Knox is just one of those places. It's just a magical place, and the crime is low, and it's just good living. And nothing ever really happens there. Nothing crazy. Man, the last time something major happened at Fort Knox outside of 9-11, and like I said, nothing happened on 9-11 at Fort Knox. I just remember we were at heightened state of emergency. I believe we had a mass shooting at a, it's not a factory, but it was like at a storage warehouse where a guy went off and I think he shot and killed three or four people. And this was in 1993. And at the time I was nine years old, but I remember hearing about it on the news and I remember my parents talking about it, but the guy drove up to the base. He worked to where he worked at, pulled out his gun and started shooting people and then drove 45 minutes north to Louisville to the VA and shot and killed himself in the VA. And, and that is probably the most craziest incident that I've heard of happening on Fort Knox. And so having this happen here the other day, somebody rammed the gate and just take the police on the chase, man. It's it's just unheard of because it's just not that type of location. And it's it's a it's safe. It's very, very safe. Growing up on Fort Knox was utopia. I absolutely loved it. But hearing that 
the other day, man. That really caught me off guard. And I can only imagine that the guys working the front gate, especially after 9-11, man, I, I remember everybody was so on edge and just waiting for an, waiting for an attack. And they've been waiting for an attack for like 20 years and nothing's happened. And then all of a sudden they got action. Man, I'm telling you now, the guys working that gate, they were probably like, oh, my God, it's this is it. This is what we've been training for. This is what we've been waiting for, boys. Let's go get them. I can only imagine that's what's going through their mind. I mean, after sitting at the gate at Fort Knox for 20 plus years and scanning IDs, doop, doop, welcome to Fort Knox, doop, doop, you know, and nothing happening ever. And then to finally have the big game. I'm sure they were as you know, I'm sure they were ecstatic. I'm not going to lie. I know the feeling you do all that training and nothing ever happens. Then you actually get put in the game and actually get to do what you're trained to do. It's a good feeling. You know, and that's the cool thing about being a cop is out on the streets, man. We get I have stories for days, stories that people want to hear about crazy things that happen. But you don't get that working at the gate of Fort Knox. You get a steady check and that's about it. You don't get any cool stories, man. And now these guys will have a story to tell for the rest of their lives about the guy that ran the gate and, and the threat they neutralized. So sucks that it happened, man. My thing is, I'm like, man, what was it going on through this guy's mind? My first thought being in this line of work, suicide by cop. Absolutely. I mean, homeboy absolutely had a death wish. But I mean, honestly, the fact that I think these guys are absolutely well disciplined, the fact that this guy blew the gate. And they didn't shoot and kill him right there. And then they had a standoff with the man for 90 minutes. That's that's some serious discipline, man, especially going on to a federal military post. So they gave that guy a little bit more time to live. But he, you know, he eventually made the call to have his life ended. So don't feel bad for him. I'll tell you that much. Not at all. You know, we make choices in this life and the choices we make have consequences. And, well, he's living with his consequences. You know, and speaking of consequences, voting has consequences. Who you vote for has consequences. And right now, Americans, we are living with the consequences of our vote from the previous year, from where the American public voted Joe Biden in the office. And I know what you're going to say. Well, we didn't really vote for him. It was fraud in the election, blah, blah, blah. Listen, ain't none of that been proven, man. We got what we got right now. And right now, the consequences of having a weak and feeble-minded man in office has led to the economy being in the worst shape, inflation at the highest levels, and Russia is flexing its muscles on us hard. And you know why they're doing all this right now? Russia would not be doing this right now if Trump was in office. Because Trump actually had a pair of balls on him. Trump actually had a set. And Biden, this guy is absolutely, I mean, he's absent, man. There's, the lights are on, but ain't nobody home. The Russians smell blood in the water. And so do the Chinese and anybody else right now. Man, we are weak as a country right now, internally and externally, man. And it is embarrassing, but seeing the uh, the amount of Russian Russian troops amassing at the border, getting ready to possibly invade Ukraine, and knowing that 
President Biden is in office and he's not going to do anything. Honestly, because I don't think he knows what's going on, but it's just weak leadership, man. And this is what happens when you have weak leadership. Weak leadership puts everybody at risk. And right now, all of us in America, we are at risk because we have a weak, feeble-minded old man leading our country. But there is some hope. A lot, like I said, a lot of us are starting to wake up because this man has a 33% approval rating. 33%. 33% of Americans approve of what he's doing. Now, I wish we could see the demographic of the 33% that thinks Joe Biden is doing a good job. I have a feeling that they probably look just like him and that they are also suffering from dementia. Or they were probably some of the, how should I say, key leaders in the 2020 riots and protests. How about that? That's, <laughs> I think that's a fair assumption of the 33% that we're summing up here. Because the other 67% of us, we're all kind of chipping in saying, you know what? Maybe this was a bad deal. Not me, because I did not vote for this fool. Yeah, so if you voted for him, hey, this is your, hey, this is your dance. This is your ship. This is your ride. So do not complain. So I'm complaining because this is not who I voted for. I did not think this man was fit for the job. But this is what the American people, this is what they wanted. So this is what we got. And we got to deal with it, man. And it's so unfortunate, dude. Like I, I have friends in the military that they're concerned and they absolutely should be concerned because the last thing anybody wants to do right now is go into another war conflict because, you know, we do have an agreement with Ukraine to help assist them, not necessarily fight the Russians, but in aiding them. My friends are going to have to pick up and leave their families once more to travel across the world into unknown danger to help aid the Ukrainians in whatever mission we can because the Russians now feel that now is the time to attack because America's weak and America's guard is down. So not only does Joe Biden have blood on his hands from the Afghanistan pullout, I hope and pray that we avoid this current situation that's going on with Russia and Ukraine and that there's some some sort of peace agreement comes out of it. I highly doubt it. But, man, I just I'm still on, you know, I'm still on edge from Afghanistan, man. And how we had let 13 of our U.S. service members get killed and did nothing about it. Yeah, we launched a drone strike that killed kids. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, the incompetence at, at the highest levels of our government right now and with this administration, man, this is unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. But this is where we are right now. This is where we're at in the country, man. But on the, like I said, on the positive side, at least more of us, 67% of us are in agreement. That Brandon sucks. This guy is bad for business. And the next election cycle cannot come soon enough. And I can tell you now, it is probably going to be a red wave. And I am absolutely looking forward to it. I cannot wait. No, I think the general American public is tired of everything that has been going on the last few years since the 2020 crap man and everybody's just every we're all fed up man everybody's tired of being lied to everybody's tired of being deceived and i think everybody's tired of seeing the police demonize well not everybody but the i'm talking about the average american person 
who's not really a Democrat, not really a Republican. They're just kind of sort of in the middle and they just want to be left alone and live to live their lives. They're tired of all this madness and interceding and impeding on their lives. And organizations such as Black Lives Matter, they only make it more easier to vote for conservatives and they only make it more easier for people to despise them in what they are, what they stand for. And I know what some people try to say. Well, not all Black Lives Matter people are bad people, Dexter. And I absolutely agree. But the organization as a whole is a horrible organization. And they proved that again this past weekend. And so this past weekend in Washington, D.C., a D.C. police officer was shot and wounded Sunday night in northwest D.C. And the Metropolitan Police Department said authorities called off a barricaded situation but the shooter remains at large the officer's injuries were non-life-threatening police said the officer whose name was never revealed was taken to the hospital hospital and later released and this was your favorite communist marxist anti-police anti-america favorite group black lives matter said in reference to this incident And this story is from the New York Post. It says BLM chapter fumes about shot cops automatically being deemed heroes. The Black Lives Matter chapter Washington, D.C. has called for the public not to automatically hail cops shot on the job as heroes before all facets of the situation are considered. In a series of tweets late Sunday, BLM D.C., said the public should not jump to conclusions after a metropolitan police officer was wounded by a barricaded suspect late Sunday in the city's Petworth section. Let's wait until we have all the information. Isn't that what y'all tell us? The chapter tweeted. And so, yes, that is absolutely what myself and a lot of other cops say. Let us know all the facts first, especially when it comes to police officers shooting people, because we don't know all the facts. And it is never good to jump to conclusions. But see, the difference is we wait for the facts because the average and the typical and average cop is not a criminal going out of his way to do the wrong thing. Are there bad officers that do the wrong thing? Of course. But that is not on average. But looking at you all BLM, on average, what you all do is defend is defend pieces of crap criminals who have hurt people, who have victimized people, and then want to play them off as the victim. So that is the difference between us waiting for all the facts versus you all waiting for all the facts. Because the average cop is a hero. The average cop is a good person. The average cop is a good man or woman trying to do a hard job. But on average BLM, everything you all stand for and support is evil, backwards, and completely false. And you all have lived on false narratives for far too long. And you all have made a living out of turning heroic cop stories into stories of injustice and racism. And that the person that the cops interacted with and had to shoot and kill because of a decision that that person made. You're turning us into the bad guys? No, I don't think so. That's not going to fly with me, and that's not going to fly with the general public anymore. We are waking up to this bull crap, man, and I've been on to it for a long time. 
Because every person that you all stand behind and support is somebody that has gone out of their way to do the wrong thing and hurt somebody else. Why are you all turning villains into heroes and trying to turn heroes into villains? Why? Because it profits you. That's why. Chaos. That's what you're after. And that's what you continue to sow. And that is why I tell people, yes, of course, not everybody that supports BLM is a bad person. But, you know, I question things about people when I hear that they support BLM. But I've not heard anybody from BLM do anything heroic. You know, it's easy to go out and march and protest for injustice when when you're surrounded by thousands of people that are brainwashed and everybody's caught up in their emotions and everybody's chanting beside you and you're caught up in the echo chamber. But you know what's not easy? Being called to a domestic as a young cop, as a rookie cop, and not knowing if you're going to walk away with your life. Kind of like what just happened in New York City this past weekend. On January 21st, two NYPD cops assigned to the Harlem district, they were called to a domestic One's name was police officer Jason Rivera. This young man was only 22 years old and had only been on the job a year and three months. And as they walked up to the door, some scumbag on the other side of the door starts firing and, shoot, and shoots him. He dead ice that night. And I just found out yesterday that the second officer that was shot, police officer Wilbert Mora, is 27 years old, only been on the job four years. He died yesterday. Two brave, young, fearless NYPD officers are no longer with us because of some scumbag. And this is what I tell people. This is the difference between police officers and BLM. Who's coming to rescue you in your worst moment? Who's going to be there for you when you need somebody? Who's going to take that bullet for you because you're too afraid to take that bullet yourself? You know, it's Officer Mora and it's Officer Rivera. Those are the guys that are coming for you. These are the guys that are real heroes. Not these protesters that are doing this crap for clout, for political gain. See, we don't police for clout or political gain. We do it because this is a calling and because we believe that this is the right thing for us to do. These guys went to that call that night and didn't, didn't hesitate. Didn't know what you're walking into. I didn't know what I was walking into on my shift yesterday. You just never know. So it's so easy for BLM to sit back and make a statement such as not all cops are heroes because they're shot in the line of duty. We got to wait for all the facts. These guys are heroes. I came across this letter on the web the other day that officer Jason Rivera wrote as to why he became a police officer. He wrote this letter while he was in the NYPD Police Academy. Why I became a police officer. When I applied to become a police officer, I knew this was the career for me. I would be the first person in my family to become a police officer. Coming from an immigrant family, I would be the first to say I'm a member of the NYPD, the greatest police force in the world. Growing up in New York City, I realized how impactful my role as a police officer would go in this chaotic city of 10 million people, I know that something as small as helping a tourist with directions or helping a couple resolve an issue will put a smile on someone's face. 
Growing up in Inwood, Manhattan, the community's relationship between the police and the community was not great. I remember one day I witnessed my brother being stopped and frisked. I asked myself, why are we being pulled over if we are in a taxi? I was too young to know that during that time, the NYPD was pulling over at a high rate. My perspective on the police and the way they police really bothered me. As time went on, I saw the NYPD pushing hard on changing the relationship between the police and the community. This was when I realized that I wanted to be a part of the men in blue. Better the relationship between the community and the police. Those were the words written by a young, insightful, and full of life and full of excitement, ready to go serve officer named Officer Jason Rivera. That's that's the guy that signed up to do this job. That's the guy that took his breath, last breath in uniform, in defense of his community that he loves so much. That young man has done more for his community than BLM or any of these other activists will ever do. Because, see, BLM talks a good game. But see, Officer Rivera talked a good game, but he put his skin in the game with him. And he did that by serving his community on the front lines as an officer. And he paid with his life for that decision in defense of his community and the people that he loved. Unlike BLM, which, yeah, of course, not all of them are bad, but let's be honest. I don't see any of them running to do what he's done. I haven't seen anybody from BLM coming to put in an application to be a cop because you know why? It don't pay good. And we don't get the kudos and accolades that we should. But guess what? We don't do that for that. That's the only reason these protesters and activists do this thing. Clout. Money. And see, you serve as a police officer not because of money, but because of a loyalty and a belief in the greater good. And a belief that people should be protected. And the belief that your community is worth your sacrifice. These are the men and women that put on the uniform and do this every day. And these are the men and women that BLM wants to say, just because a shot cop gets shot in the line of duty that he's not automatically a hero. You know what BLM? I will put my boys and my girls in blue up against you and your far left radical organization any day. Because the truth is, the profession of policing was here long before BLM came into existence. And we will be here serving the community long after you all have blown through your money and people have figured out all your BS and you all are no longer an afterthought. We will always be here and be a part of the community, not just when it's convenient for us. And it's a time where we can make money and make political gains and moves. See, this isn't about politics. Policing has never been about that. This is about protecting life. This is about protecting the, the American way of life. This is about doing the right thing. It's about sacrifice. And y'all know nothing of the sort. So that's why I can say with confidence, I don't have to wait for the whole story anytime I hear about a cop police officer getting shot in the line of duty. Because nine times out of ten, that officer that gets shot in the line of duty is doing something none of y'all have the balls to ever do. And that is why I'm proud to wear this uniform. 
And that is why I'm proud to still be a part of this profession. No matter how much you have dogged us and dragged us through the dirt and tried to stomp on our name. That's why I get up every day and put on that vest and that uniform and smile with pride because I get to serve alongside people like these two brave NYPD officers. I get to serve with these men and women every day, and it is one of the joys of my life. And so out of respect for our fallen NYPD brothers, can we all please have a moment of silence? You know, in policing, we always say, hold the line, the thin blue line. We're the line between chaos and peace. We got to hold the line. But we also have to hold ourselves accountable. And we also have to hold ourselves to a higher standard. See, everything you do out of uniform, regardless of where you work, and you might not come out and say you're the police, but everybody knows you're the police. And so everything you do out of uniform matters. What you say matters. How you say it matters. You are always a reflection of your department and your employer. And that's why I do with this podcast. I speak my mind, but I do do it in a respectful way as much as possible. Some might not agree with it. Hey, whatever. I don't care. I'm an American citizen and I'm free to do as such. But I try to be mindful of the message I deliver and how I'm delivering it and how I'm saying it. I don't go out of my way to hurt people. But at the same time, I'm not going to hold my tongue either because there's just some things in this world that I disagree with. But at the same time, I understand that, you know, there's a responsibility that comes when you wear a uniform and a badge. And that responsibility carries over into your civilian life and what you do in it, of course. And that brings me to this next story I came across in uh, Colorado. A Colorado deputy with an OnlyFans account retires after being discovered by a female officer. As soon as I heard that, my first thought was, you know what? Somebody's jealous and a little salty. (laughs) That's my first impression after being discovered by a female officer. Somebody throwing some shade, man. That's that's absolutely what that is. Somebody mad they ain't got her confidence. (laughs) But it says a uh, Colorado sheriff's deputy retired with a $30,000 separation agreement instead of facing an internal investigation over an OnlyFans page she owns. And 48-year-old retired officer Melissa Williams says, I was a really good cop. I was a really good cop and I was a really good leader. That's what she told the KDVR's problem solver team. And she was in law enforcement for 28 years and spent the last 11 years with the Apraho County Sheriff's Office and was recently served as a lieutenant at the detention center. She had the OnlyFans account for 18 months without any problems, but then co-workers found out and, the, and a female officer in a nearby police department filed a complaint. The Sheriff's Office investigated the complaint and internal documents obtained by KDVR said the website contained pictures of Lieutenant Williams posing for pictures clearly showing her face and her genitals, One of or more of the photos appeared to have been taken in a very public location. A spokesman from the sheriff's department told KDVR that Williams should have gotten permission for the secondary job, but Williams pushed back that it did not occur to her to ask for permission. Man, that's a lot to unpack on that one, dude. It really is, man. Absolutely is. And that's kind of where I'm at also, though. Yes, I have an OnlyFans. No, I'm joking. I don't. 
No. I don't want nobody to see my man titties right now, dog. I'm, I'm in rebuilding process after the last year in COVID, so don't judge me. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's the same with me and my book and my podcast. It's like sometimes I honestly believe it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. And that's kind of where I'm at with my podcast. But at the same time, this is I'm doing this in my free time. This doesn't affect me in how I do my job. And it's the same for her, honestly, where she's doing this in her free time. It'd be different if she was wearing her uniform and all this. But the thing is, she wasn't fired. She resigned. And I don't know if she was going to get fired. But they gave her a $30,000 settlement to leave. And, I mean, she accepted the money. I mean, if it was that important of her to stay a cop, she wouldn't have took the money, man. And like I said, I don't really have a problem with what people do outside of uniform. So long as, you know, you are a representation of the of the profession. You know, you're a representation of your department and the people you work with. You know, so everything you do outside of uniform does matter. But at what point do we stop become, being the morality police and let people live their lives outside and not let their personal lives bleed over to their work. Because regardless, we are humans and what we do on the outside of the uniform, it does matter and it does bleed into our work lives, believe it or not. Everything, it, it don't even, not even in this profession. You could be you know, making fries at McDonald's and what happens at home bleeds over into your work life. And it's no different here. And it's not different because we wear a badge. But she says that, you know, it doesn't change how she do her job, but it doesn't. But something on that level with that type of, you know, sex work, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm not going to sit here and judge her and say she's wrong for doing it. I mean, get your money, boo-boo. Apparently, she's making like four grand a month, dog, and now she's got a retirement. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not going to stand in judgment of the woman. So, I mean, but at the same time, you can't be shocked that in 2020, you have an OnlyFans account. And don't act surprised when somebody discovers it. And you get reported just the same with this podcast. I'm not surprised. Hey, I'm sure somebody has discovered my podcast and sent, said something in the chain of command. Oh, trust me. I know that's the whole reason I did a whole podcast on that. Or why I Dexter Pitts was not allowed to go into the chief's office. Nobody wants to talk to me, but I'm going to keep doing what I do. And she should have just kept doing what she was doing. Let them investigate. You know, but like I said, everything we do has consequences. And just because you can have an OnlyFans as an officer doesn't mean you should have an OnlyFans as an officer, man. You have to think these things out way in advance. And for you to think that you're not going to get caught or nobody's going to discover it, that's a bit egotistical and narcissistic, if you ask me. And just her comments alone of, usually when I hear people stroking themselves and complimenting themselves to me that's a person i typically don't want to be around where man i'm a good officer i'm a really good leader you know when you have to tell everybody that you're that good at something typically you're really not as good as you think and i would beg the question i would love to hear other officers that have worked with her and what they think and what they would say that sounds very egotistical and narcissistic of her to have that man I said, I believe in being humble, but not everybody's like me. But, hey, if she was a good officer, she was a good leader, I'm sure some other officers are going to step up in, in her defense. But uh, I've not seen that yet. So 
Now, on that one, the jury is still out. I'm still, you know, waiting for all the facts on that. But, I mean, it's this is the uh, crux we're in right now and the time we're in with social media, you know, and we all live our lives in front of everybody, every second of our lives, you know, is on social media, you know, what we're eating, what we're doing, where we're going, who we're seeing, what we're talking about, what we're thinking about, you're like everything. And this affects all of us. And this does affect the profession. I mean, the NYPD, a couple what a couple weeks ago, I believe they had a new rookie officer that was giving a lieutenant a lap dance at a party. Of course, it was a non-sanctioned NYPD party, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's out of uniform. But still, that bleeds over into the workspace and that affects the job. Now, having an OnlyFans, I'm not necessarily saying I'm not going to say that affects the job. I just don't think it does. It could. It might. I don't know. Personally, I'm not going to subscribe to OnlyFans. I'm not impressed. <laughs> not, not my cup of tea, man. Not my cup of tea whatsoever. But, you know, uh, I'm not going to stand in judgment, dude. But it's it's just one of those areas we're figuring out as we're going along and evolving in this profession and evolving with social media, man. Like, social media, dude, it, it weighs heavy, man. I mean, social media has some clap back. I mean, we've had officers lose their jobs, but they've also gotten them back on social media for expressing their freedom, you know, expressing their opinions, which we are free to do. But as I say, we are free to do anything. You're free to have an OnlyFans. You're free to have a podcast. You are free to write a book as an officer. But realize just because you're free to do something does not mean that you are free of the consequences that ensue after you make that choice. If there are any repercussions for me having the podcast and me have writing a book, so be it. But I mean, I'm not worried about that, man, because I say I'm not doing anything I'm doing to make the PD look bad. Although the PD does that itself to make themselves look bad. You know, I'm doing my best to make myself look like a decent person and like an actual real human being and more than a cop. And also to make the people that I serve with look good. And I do my best to make my police department look good. But like I say, that's a fight in the uphill battle and they don't really seem to care. And that has just been an ongoing issue with the current departments currently. And uh, so one of the other things is, man, another podcast I listen to, I create content, but I also consume content, man. Like I, said, I don't listen to music anymore. I really don't. All I do is listen to podcasts. It's Drinking Bros. It's, you know, Jocko. And my new favorite one is Project Sapient. Man, I love the Project Sapien podcast. These guys are cops. One's a former Special Forces guy, and they're cops up in the Northeast, I believe, in the Boston PD. And, man, this is a great, great, great show. And what makes it even better was the episode they had the other day. They were talking about the, what is it called, the Portland Police Bureau out in Oregon. And so after all we've gone through, with the riots and protests in 2020 and, you know, people trying to burn down the courthouse, people attacking cops in the whole city, turning their back on the officers, chain of command and, you know, city council and the mayor just completely dismissing its officers and leaving them out in the wind. Now they turn around and they're trying to get officers to come back to the city to work. But the way that they're doing it and going about it is such a slap in the face and is so damn disrespectful, man. It just shows the disconnect between officers on the front line, leadership and city leadership. 
I mean, the nerve and the audacity that they had to put this note out. So this is what the note says. So there was a note that they sent out to rehires, and this was available on officer.com. And there was a former um, PPD, PPB officer who she is now retired and works for a smaller agency in the Portland area. This is what she said about the letter. So it says rehire, retire, recruitment information, initial employment screening, disqualifying the following candidates. Any officers who have or will retire in lieu of being investigated or with a pending investigation or disciplinary matter. That's understandable. Any officers where it has been determined that the officer intentionally trained others in methods known to be unconstitutional crowd controlled practices. And this next one's the one that really gets me. Any officers who were found to have violated city policy by cooperating with federal agents to attack Portland residents. Are they serious? And another one says any officers with sustained complaints in their personal files within the last 10 years for use of force, unconstitutional policing. And the last one says the chief will further prioritize any eligible officer who reside in Portland. The nerve of these mother, oh my Lord. I'm like, literally, my mind is blown. You're begging officers to come back after all that they endured, but then you're telling them that they're not welcome back for doing the right thing and trying to assist federal agents and keep the city from burning down. Who is, are we taking crazy pills? Am I taking crazy pills? Is this real? And then the whole thing about assaulting Portland residents. Most of the people that were there in Portland burning down the federal courthouse and causing chaos were not from Portland. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's plenty of BLM and Antifa in that area. But I know for a fact that here in Louisville, I knew what the people I was looking at, like these people are not from here. Case in point, there was a guy that I was watching all the time on a live stream it was this giant tall white guy with curly brown hair he was shirtless and he had on a skirt and he wore high heels and everywhere he walked he had these drums and he would just beat these drums with them i remember watching him all the time on the live streams when everything first started and then when everything kicked back off in louisville with the protest when i got back home i remember looking like yo that's that dude from portland that's the same guy. There he is walking down Broadway, beating on his drums with his skirt and his high heels and his, you know, not wearing a shirt. I'm like, you know, there's just so many people that were not from the area. And the audacity of this department, the department is pretty much took all their furniture, threw it in the middle of headquarters, burned down headquarters, went outside and talked to all the police officers and said, look at all this. This fire is your fault. But if you want to, you could come back in here and work if you want. I'll let you come back and work. There is no way any of these officers that have left that city should go back to want to work in that city. And I mean, I'm almost in the same situation here where we've had so many officers that have left Louisville Metro. And I don't blame anybody for leaving. I'm not going to lie. I think I slightly suffer from a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome where I'm in love with my abuser. 
<laughs> Everybody thinks I'm crazy for coming back and being back here. I probably am. But like I said, this is my home. This was my home before the riots. And this has been my home since and probably will be my home for a while. I mean, who knows? I mean, if something might happen or change. I don't know. I'm, I don't foresee myself going nowhere, but you just never know, man. But it's the way these city leaders think and these police leaders think. It just shows how little they care about the troops, but how they care more so about their next move, their next promotion and playing politics and putting politics before officers lives and careers, which is absolutely wrong. And it drives me crazy. You know, the officer that walked away from that PD and that put that note out there and she also replied to it, man. She had worked there for like 28 years and just decided it was enough and she left, man. And she was punished for it. But the one thing I am proud of and glad of is that she decided to speak out. She decided to give voice to the situation. And that is what we are lacking right now in our profession, man. We are lacking officers with the ability to stand up and speak out and say something about what's going on and how we are being treated by city leadership and bad leaders within the department. Because everybody feels like the city and the department has them by the balls because of a paycheck. And don't get me wrong. I completely understand, completely understand the thought of that. So many officers are afraid to speak out because they are afraid of being punished. But the truth is you can't speak out. You have to speak out. You have to make your voice known. We can't just keep going along and getting along for the sake of getting a paycheck because eventually at some point in time, they're going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing these radical, you know, ideals. And eventually you going along, you're not going to get a paycheck because you're not going to be here to get a paycheck because you're going to get fired, get released of your duties because of something that happens at work or because of some new stupid mandate. So you can only go along for so long until but eventually you will have to make a choice and decide where you're going to stand. And you're going to have to speak up and say something. So it's better to say something now while you still have some control and still have some say so. As opposed to waiting till the end of the line and you have no choice but to get thrown off the train. You never win when you just sit and wait in silence and just take it on the chin. You know, I'm reminded of this poem I've always heard. I've heard it on Drinking Bros by Dan Holloway, and I've heard a few other people that say it. First, they came for the communists, and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. We cannot afford to stay silent in this day and age anymore, ladies and gentlemen of the Thin Blue Line. We can't. We have to put aside our fear of losing our livelihood for a paycheck because we are being taken advantage of and trampled on by our city leaders, these activist organizations, and by our department leadership. We can't stay silent. We just can't. That's the reason I have my podcast. That's the reason, well, not the reason I wrote my book, but I do want my book to empower other officers to feel like, you know what? 
If this man can go and write a book about his life experiences, what he believes and what made him and talk about his experiences during the riots, why can't I? I'm not special by no means. There's nothing about me that is extraordinary, but I refuse to live in fear and I refuse to let people just tell me what I'm going to do and just let people just have their way with me without putting up a fight. I can't do it. I've done that most of my life. And I'm tired of it, man. I'm at a point to where I'm just sick and tired of all of us just going along and getting along. And when things get bad, they throw us a little bit of money, like with this new contract we got here in Louisville. Hey, throw them a little bit of money. Shut them up. And that's pretty much what we got. We got a little bit of money, but we got more mandates. And then they use fear to control us. And it's Gestapo tactics, man. That's all the stuff is. They are using fear to control us. Fear of, you know, your career, fear of being stuck in a position and not being able to move, fear of losing your paycheck. But like I said, eventually you're going to eventually lose that paycheck one way or another. So you might as well go down fighting and go down swinging. And I'll be honest. I've had this podcast now since March of 2021. No one has said a damn thing to me about this podcast. Even after my podcast, I did about the mayor and the one to the chief. No one has said a word to me. My book just got published. I've got some pretty decent sales. No one from the department has said a word to me about it. So why should you be afraid to speak up and say anything? And if you do speak up, like I say, you speak your peace and speak your mind. But you have to be responsible with your words and how you say it and articulate and say things. I'm not telling you to get on a podcast or a podcast. I'm not telling you to write a book, but I'm saying when you see evil and wrong do do being done to your brothers and sisters, it is time to speak up. And I say, we have our FOP, but a lot of people feeling different about the FOP because the FOP right now is very, very silent. We're not hearing or seeing anything coming from our FOP. And that's not a stab at the guys individually. I love the guys individually. They are good guys, but I don't feel like we're getting the representation that we want and need and deserve right now from the FOP. They've been too silent on all this stuff. But me now I'm using the freedoms that I fought for and ensured and the freedoms granted to me by the Constitution to make my voice and my opinion be heard. I say they might not like and agree what I say, but they gonna hear me one way or another. And I will not cower to somebody with rank on their shoulder because they don't like what I'm saying or they don't like my train of thought. But like I said, right color, wrong politics in this day and age where I'm at on the Louisville Metro Police Department. And I'm going to go ahead and say this, man. I have come to the conclusion after all that I've been through the last few years with this department and with my book and with me reaching out to leadership, that leadership at the top level of our command, and not all of them, the ones I know personally that are good, I give them a shout out. Lieutenant Colonel Judah, hey, love you, brother. Thank you. You know, Major McClinton, or not Major McClinton, he's uh, Colonel McClinton now. Thank you. And a couple other ones, man, but overall top leadership after that, they don't give a damn about us. The only thing that they are concerned with is their next move politically. And I'll say that goes for our current chief. 
she don't give a damn about us. She don't give a damn about me. If she can use you on the long, on her road to her next promotion or whatever her next thing is, of course, she's going to use you. Why not? She's not here for the long term. You know what I realized the other day? This is just a stop for her on the way to something else. So why should I be afraid to not speak my mind to her? Because the truth is, I was here before she was here. And I'm going to be here long after she's gone and whoever she brought with her. And there's no reason for me to be afraid to speak out because you don't hold power over me or my career. And you can take it from me if you want. I really don't care. I'm just at the point to where, you know what? It is what it is, man. I'm not playing the games and I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. But you know what? Some people are drinking the Kool-Aid because... You know, so for some people, it's more important to make that next political move or that next promotion than it is to stand up for what's right and to stand up for the men and women on the front line of this career. I'm standing up for the guys on the front line. The things we have been through and going through, you know what? It's It's been a rough go, man. Absolute rough go. And people are using us in our current predicament after the rights and everything to pad their resumes. They're using us for the next political moves. And I don't like being anybody's damn pawn. I don't like being anybody's scapegoat. I don't like being somebody's lily pad that they're just using the hop here and there to get to where they're trying to go. Like I say, I'm not playing the games. I'm not playing the politics. I'm here to serve the people. And I'm here to serve alongside my brothers and sisters on the thin blue line and nothing else. Yes, I get a paycheck from here. It's a nice paycheck. It's decent. Could I make more doing something else? Probably. But the truth is, I don't want to do nothing else. There's no other job that makes me feel alive. And there's no other job that keeps me humble. And there's no other job that puts life into perspective, such as being a police officer and wearing this uniform. I love this profession with all my heart. I'm telling you, I could sell a million books today and have a ton of money in my bank account. And guess what? I would still get up the following day and put my uniform on and go to work because I believe in this profession at its core. And I believe in what we do and what we stand for. And I know that the men and women I work for are some of the most talented and top tier individuals to wear the uniform. And I'm proud to serve with them. So regardless of what our current chief thinks and chain of command and all of them, I, you know, I just, I said at this point, I don't care because I know who I work with. But at this point, I need them to step up and stand up for us. And I know a lot of them. Some of them are. But at the same time, some are. And I refuse to live in fear because you come around, and you got some rank on your shirt. And that's not to say that everything that chief has done here has been bad. She's done some good things. But that does not change the fact that I'm not welcomed in the office because of my politics and that don't change the fact that I have told my wife and my partners and everybody that if I die while in this uniform in service to my community, the chief and her staff are not to come anywhere near me, my body or my family, because you don't know me. You didn't even give me the chance to get to know you and you never got a chance to get to know me. And I am this department's biggest proponent and biggest advocate 
because I love this department and I love this community. But I'll be damned if I'm going to play down how I really feel and what I really believe in order to play politics to get to the next position, because I'm not worried about the next position. I don't even care about promoting the sergeant. I really don't. I care about doing what's right and taking care of my boys and my girls to my left and my right. And I care about giving the community the best that we can give them. And see, the problem is we've had all this damage done to our community by BLM and Antifa these last few years. And now we're playing catch up because we gave all our momentum and we gave into the extremists and gave them everything they wanted. And now the people that we serve are suffering record high homicide numbers, more cops leaving than you could ever imagine. So what are they doing? They're doing like rich parents that have bad kids. They just throw more money at the problem. Let me tell you something. Money's good, but money ain't going to be what keep people here. It might for some, but it ain't for all. People want to know that they're appreciated, respected and supported. That's what officers want at the end of the day. You can send us to do the most eat the, the most dirty jobs, the just the most downgrading job. But we will do it with a smile on our face as long as we know that, hey, my chain of command got my back. And for me personally, I need to give a shout out to my direct supervisors, my direct chain of command. I'm talking about my sergeants, my lieutenants and my majors in the first division. Man, they have been absolutely supportive of me since I've been back and they've been supportive of my career and everything. And they've been supportive of me in my personal life. They've asked me about my book, my family. Man, and so to my direct line of supervisor and chain of command, thank you all for caring about me as an individual and as a person. I can't thank you all enough. They have gone above and beyond for me more times than I could count. And honestly, that's what keeps me here because I realized the game that once it gets above them, it's politics. Them people up there don't know me. Some know me indivi- you know, individually. But at the end of the day, you know, are they going to put their careers on the line to do something to benefit me? Hell no, they're not. Not, not going to happen. And I'm okay with that. You know why? Because I don't expect them to. I understand that, you know, this is a giant government machine. I'm just a cog in the wheel to these guys. You know, but if I was to die in the line of duty, it'd be, oh, he was the greatest officer ever. He was a wonderful man. He had a smile on his face and everybody liked working with him. But the truth is, gee, I don't want you don't know me. I don't want you to say that about me if you don't know me. I don't want you speaking great of me if you never gave me a chance to step foot in your office. That's not what I want. I want the people that really know me, that served with me in the gutter to know, hey, this was the dude right here. This is my boy. We loved him. And this is who he was. Those are the people I want to speak for me. Not the people that come here for a political purpose, looking for their next position. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Iron Pits podcast. I want to thank you all for tuning back in. And like I said. Pardon for the uh, late post. I say it's a lot been going on around here, man. Got the book working, you know, just living life, man, and just being sick. All sort. I can give you all types of excuses. Trust me, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. But I hope you all have enjoyed this latest episode of my rambling. Trust me, man, I got a headache, man. I 
I've struggled through get I've struggled to get through this one, but I'm here for y'all because I know having that content is important. But if y'all could, like I said, the show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find the I Am Pits podcast. Okay, and if you could do me a favor, go to Apple and leave me a review and rate the show on there. And you can also do that now on Spotify as well. But also, if you have purchased my book and you have read it and you liked it, please go to Amazon.com and rate my book and leave a review. That is the only way my show grows and that is the only way my book continues to grow and gain support. You all have been amazing. I mean, I've had so many people reaching out to me about the book saying, dude, this is phenomenal. Wow. wow, What a great book. I couldn't put it down. Hearing those comments means more to me than you all will ever know. I just, it's still unreal to me. I had somebody call and ask me, you know, man, I'm, I want to write a book and I don't know how, and how did you do it? And it's weird having people ask me for advice on how to write a book because I'm a published author, but that's not how I see myself. It's weird. I'm just like, I I don't know. I'm just a guy that just started typing on a computer at Taco Bell at first in Broadway. Man, I really don't know, but it's just so weird, but because I'm in that space now where people see me, I've accomplished this thing, and I'm by any means, I'm not an expert. I just know how to put how I feel out there on paper, and I just know how to speak into a microphone. I don't know what the hell I'm doing outside of that, honest to God. I'm just kind of figuring out as I go along, man. I'm just here for the journey, and I am loving the journey thus far, and the support from you all has been amazing on the podcast and on the book as well. And also, people have been asking me about the book and how they can get an autographed copy. So this is what I'm telling people. If you want an autographed copy, email me at IamPits.com for details on how to get an autographed copy of the book. And as I've said before, thank you all so much for tuning into the podcast and thank you all for purchasing the book. And hey, tell your friends about the podcast and tell your friends about the book. Man, the the support is just amazing. I, I ain't gonna lie. It, it almost has me in tears because I really didn't think anybody was going to want to read it. But man, it's just been amazing. And the support from my, the people at work, you know, my blue family, man, God bless you all, LMPD and the law enforcement officers across the country, man. Thank everybody. I, I'm just so beyond thankful, man. Absolutely beyond thankful. So this has been the I'm Pitch Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Like I say, pardon me for struggling through this one, but thank y'all for hanging in there with me, all right? And I will see y'all on the next one.